0: Welcome to our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast. This podcast series is sponsored by the Marquette Forum, with support from Marquette University's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion and the Hagerty Museum of Art. It's an extension of a Marquette University mural project to highlight and uplift diverse women-identified individuals whose images and contributions have been systematically made invisible. The artist Mauricio Ramirez used photographs of BIPOC women associated with Marquette as inspiration for the images in the mural. The Our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast preserves the stories of female identifying students, faculty, staff, and alumni who've used their gifts to make a meaningful impact on others, especially those who remain unsung heroes. I'm your host, Sheena Carey, from the Diedrich College of Communication. Joining us today are the aunties. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and share their stories with you today. Thank you so much for coming.
1: Who's going to start us off? Since I kind of roped all of these aunties in, maybe I'll start. I'm Jacqueline Fontaine-Schramm. I'm the Director of Public Affairs and Special Assistant for Native American Affairs at Marquette University.
2: I'm Tracy Sparks. I'm the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Manager for North America at Manpower Group.
3: I'm Natalie Hansen. I am a registered nurse. I work for Advocate Aurora in the Engagement Center Operations, Nurse Triage, and also Nursing Instructor at Bryan and Stratton College.
4: And so I am Kitty Hill. I am a member of the United Nation of Wisconsin. And I am retired, finally, thank God, and uh, enjoying every minute of it and, and loving being with the aunties and working with Marquette with the council.
0: Okay. For the rest of you, how do you identify? Where do you come from? And um, how'd you get on the path that you've embarked upon?
2: So I am actually also Oneida Nation. I grew up actually on the north side of Milwaukee. So Oneida is located outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin. I spent my childhood on the north side, and then I went to Marquette and spent about five years in Seattle and then moved back here with my husband.
3: I am Ojibwe, great-grandparents from Michigan and Minnesota. Grandfather moved here at a very young age and raised our family here. So born, raised, and we all still continue to live here in Milwaukee. I, too, attended Marquette University, graduated several, several years ago, and excited to be here.
4: And I am actually born and raised in Milwaukee as well, so I'm, we're urban Indians, I guess. And my grandmother was uh, raised in the United Nation up north and near Green Bay, just west of Green Bay, and came to Milwaukee, I think when she was 18 or 19, and that's where our family roots continued, you know, in the urban environment. It's been an interesting journey.
1: I am a guest on these lands. I am a citizen of Sagging First Nation in Manitoba, Canada. My parents are from those lands. My mom is from Pegua's First Nation, but I made my journey down here in about 1990 and uh, landed at Marquette just a bit ago.
0: So how have your identities informed the choices that you've made or the paths that you've taken?
3: I think Kitty, actually just for saying now, um, most of us are urban Indians here, I think plays a a very prominent role, especially for me, born and raised in the city of Milwaukee and attending Marquette. I didn't really experience a whole lot of the traditional Native cultures growing up. And that really, I I feel like um, my family really strived on education and kind of trying to find those successful goals and things that has really driven me into the path that I've lived in now. Yeah, I, I agree with Natalie that
2: uh, growing up in Milwaukee, I think it was, though I was very connected to the Native community for my entire life, there was definitely, you're not on the reservation. It's, it's, it's a different upbringing being, in, being an urban Native How has it affected the path that I've taken? I feel like it's always been kind of at the forefront of, like, my ethical decision-making. So certainly shying away from things because just because I was Native, right? I didn't want to be involved in something to be the Native person. And it's really, like, driven my career path in helping others that – maybe didn't have the opportunities that I had, didn't go to Marquette, didn't have, you know, the resources that I had. So it's certainly driven me in that way.
4: I think also that being urban doesn't mean we don't have roots, speaking of the title of the podcast. Um, Our roots go way back to our grandparents and our ancestors, of course. And my grandmother, as most matriarchs, is a big influence on me as well. And, um, Very often we would go back and forth. I think you'll see this pattern of movement with a lot of urban Indians going home to the reservation because you still have friends and relatives there, and that's part of your experience too. And I actually returned to Oneida. I actually went to Oneida for the first time because I was from Milwaukee and worked for the tribe for about eight and a half years, and I just loved it. And then uh, my grandson was born in Milwaukee, and I got homesick, and I came back to my other home. And I've been active in the Indian community in Milwaukee, probably at least 40 years, I think.
1: I think I've watched my parents in service to our community, and it has, it was never kind of taught, but it was experienced. And we always had family around us, no matter where we lived in Canada. We had those family members that were also a part of our Indigenous communities. And so I always knew that I wanted to be. I think, in my heart, in service to Indigenous people. And um, I found my path through higher education as a non-traditional student and feel like I'm doing that now.
0: So in thinking about the, the mural itself, how does the theme of the mural resonate for you?
2: For me, it was such a big deal to see it. Because going to Marquette and, and really at every point of my life, we're not a large community, right? There's not, you don't really go anywhere where there, you're the, the majority for the most part. And so seeing, and oftentimes too, we're not represented. So there's a lot of like programming and things like that that are for other ethnic groups and we don't get represented. So the fact that... We were also represented in this was such a big deal to me, also just the history with Marquette, right? I felt like it was really important that they they included an indigenous
3: girl in the in the mural.
2: so it was it was a really big deal for me.
3: I agree with with those same thoughts as well. My time at Marquette, as Tracy had said, there it was a very small community, and I Growing up in Catholic schools, Catholic education, there wasn't a lot of diversity throughout my entire education. So going to Marquette, it wasn't something that I realized was missing at the time. And at the time, I I was okay with that. But now that I am older and kind of realizing all the changes that Marquette has made so far of recognizing And including everybody and making that efforts and then seeing that mural put up there is is just such a footprint on the campus to include everybody. And for the students that are there now, it's just, I feel so important for them to see that representation daily as they walk through that campus and know that, they are at a place of truly prestigious individuals that they're working with and really on a path to success. And I think that's what this anti Circle is really about, too, just to share our story here, but also when we meet with these young students, you know, let them know that we're here to support them as well and for their future.
4: Yeah, I think that when I look at the mural, too, it's such a great graphic image. You immediately connect with it as a woman and as a sister or an auntie or a mother and a daughter, and there's that line of continuity there, and women supporting each other and helping each other and really growing. And um, I think that's just really a nice, dramatic example of what education can do for you. And it's really wonderful that we're here there to support students, because we've all been there, you know, and you know how intimidating school can be and sometimes frightening, and it can really be a lot of fun, too. And uh, I just think you should never stop learning.
3: No I also, too. I'm sorry, I'm probably skipping ahead of Jackie here, but so seeing like something visual as the mur- mural and actually just seeing a native person in their in their whole regalia is just really so beautiful. And it reminds me a lot of my great grandfather. So he was the first Native American in Milwaukee that was joined the Iron Workers Union. And so growing up, I would always see, downtown, all the structures that he built. So when I was at Marquette, it was like my grandpa, you know, helped build that building and that and that. And even though the building was there, it was just like, it was a story. But then also now just to see something permanent and identify with that, it it really means a lot to me as well.
1: Oh, that's a bit of History we didn't hear yet. Saving <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> well, that just is such a, a foundation. Then I mean, it is it, just its size as well. You know, it's the magnitude of that piece. It just is. It makes you a little breathless. And seeing you know these beautiful women represented in in sisterhood is really replicates. I feel like what we found here amidst this anti-circle and, you know, our roots connected in really different ways, you know, very disparately, uh, not knowing each other, uh, not growing up together, but our roots found each other and uh, really kind of connected together in in service to our Indigenous students here. And and that actually brings
0: me to the question that, because uh, I, I introduced you all as the aunties. But what does it mean to you to be
1: part of the anti-circle, and how did it come about? So maybe I'll just, just give a, a brief history. And, you know, as I said, all of our connections came together over the years, and emerging from the Council on Native American Affairs at Marquette University uh, were thoughts around how to support our current Indigenous student body and you know, in our communities, food uh, rises very prominently, and the absence of, and the community around gathering together around food. So we came together really in with that in mind to put together potlucks in the fall of 2018, monthly potlucks, and we just advertised it as as best as we could to you know kind of bring in our indigenous students and we sit together we serve them and we share uh, stories and and just support so this the notion of aunties i think it came to us a little uh, some years after that we were sitting around going through okay this is what we are i mean you know aunties in our communities are a force and i think other communities can relate to the power of this matriarchy and all of us probably have stories but in Indigenous communities, we have aunties that really kind of serve as a an additional family member, additional mother to help raise us, support us, and in good times and in bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we really, I feel like that's like the most appropriate term for us too, right? Where we're meeting these children. I mean, they're really children, right? Um, and providing them something that maybe they miss at home or maybe they they don't have here at Marquette, giving them like a little sense of family here. Um, and then I think also um, something that should be noted is that so many indigenous kids that go through Marquette, they may be first generation, and they've never done this before. They, they don't have anybody that's ever navigated careers answered those questions and so not only are we a resource to provide food and friendship and family but also further on I feel blessed that I've been able to watch some of these kids go on to law school and announce their first promotion and so that I think is so important too that they they are getting that from us as well.
3: Yeah, definitely the support and the networking. Like Tracy just said that that we can offer them. Our Jacqueline introduced me to one of the nursing students at one time just to talk with her and, you know, kind of give her my experience now as an experienced nurse and it kind of opened up my eyes to the fact of, oh, I do have some experience and maybe some insight <laughs> to share with this younger group. And it was kind of an aha moment for me just because she was just so grateful for just the conversation, but At the same time, I I told Jacqueline after, like, I really got a lot from it after, too. So I know we offer a lot of support, but personally, I I do selfishly get something a lot from it as well.
4: (laughs) I feel also that, you know, it's really nice serving on committees and helping make decisions and improving relationships on campus and everything, but I think it's also important for students. It's really nice to have that close contact. I really miss having hands-on experiences and, you know, serving students and just being there and getting to know them, and, you know, it's a a real good energy that you can feel in the room, and Jacqueline's brought in other speakers, so they also know that even though they might feel alone sometimes, if they can see other people who've made it through, you know, I think of my grandmother, too. She was also, um, I left home and was at the boarding school at Carlisle. And that experience, I'm really getting into the research for the boarding schools lately. And um, when I think about my grandmother and all the women and children, really, who were taken away to boarding schools, who were, you know, really abducted from their families, and the whole goal was to turn them into domestic servants, pretty much. And it was a sort of an education, but I remember years ago speaking with Nancy Lurie, who she's passed on now, but. She was uh, the director of the anthropology department, I believe, at uh, the Milwaukee Public Museum. And we were talking about the boarding schools and how people were beaten, their languages, their native languages were beaten out of them, and they were pretty much forced to learn English. And she made a point that I never even thought about before, how ironic it was that all these Indians from all over the country, some of them may have been enemies at one point, or they didn't know each other. Their cultures are all unique and very different. They all learned a common language and it actually unified people. It unified them with a language, a central language that they could share, but also experiences. They were all going through the same trauma. And I think we've all come back together all the, through the generations. And that's part of our history, and that's where we came from, you know. So it's good to keep supporting each other. And, and I always think of my grandmother who had a lot of hardships, she had a very hard life. And I don't know, she was just a brilliant woman, and uh, she was the core of the family. And I always used to think when I got older, and I was having some trouble, so I used to think, if my grandmother can do it, I can do it.
0: What's been um, Marquette's impact on the lives of women of color?
2: I don't think I can speak for every woman of color. (laughs) So kind of like feeding off of what Kitty just said, my grandmother was the first Native American advisor at Marquette. And... I feel like hearing stories of people that she advised um, and meeting those people in their adult life, I think she impacted so many people, like, I mean, more than just women. I feel a sense of responsibility to carry that on, right? But Marquette's impact on women of color, I... I don't know that I could say that Marquette had a significant impact on women of color. I'll say that women of color that attended Marquette have had a significant impact on women of color in this community. And furthermore, women of color that are currently attending Marquette will have and are having a significant impact on women of color at Marquette.
4: I'm very impressed when I think of Generations ago, how uh, women were trained to be domestic servants in the boarding schools, and now we're graduating nurses and dentists and lawyers and entrepreneurs and people in business. And it's really quite an accomplishment, you know, and they didn't do it alone. Nobody does. Who are some of those
0: women who have uh, had an impact on you?
3: <laughs> we should have just said it in unison. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: we didn't rehearse that super well. Um, certainly, Jacqueline has had a huge impact on me, and I feel like it's certainly like a passion and a desire and for me to be involved at Marquette. Um, but to say that I was the driver in that would be a complete lie. Jacqueline is certainly the driver in what is going on at Marquette right now, and has been for many years. Other women that have had an impact on me, my grandma and her legacy. I feel like there's so many women that I could literally mention. I'll say this, the two greatest mentors that I've ever had in my life are my children. One is a girl. But I think saying that and realizing that So many women have such a huge impact because they learn so much from being a professional, being a mother, being a grandmother, being an auntie. All those roles that women play, I feel like kind of intersect. So my team at work is three women, one man, and the man is fantastic. (laughs) But the women, I feel like they, they are just so impactful, like every single day, We're at very different points in our lives, but they're both women of color. One of them is African-American, and she doesn't have any children. She's a stepmom, and I love hearing her stories. I feel like she impacts me every single day. Um, And the other one is Peruvian, and she is a mom, and she has babies, and learning through... Like remembering those days, I don't have babies anymore, but remembering those days and seeing her maneuver that. And I feel like she's such a great teacher for me right now because when I was in her position, not everyone was super kind about my babies, right? And so learning from her and her babies and her parenting that let's be kind. You know, when a one-year-old needs to join our team meeting, that, that's great. That's a great opportunity, not only for us, but for that one-year-old too, to shape her and, and make her feel welcome. And so I just, I feel like there's so many women. And if you take a moment to sit back and listen and learn, you're going to learn from every woman that you interact with.
3: I also think that people come into our lives, like, when they're needed. And so to say that there is one woman, I think, from every decade of my life, so that would, that'd be about four. There is always, you know, some, an impactful person that I can always, like, pinpoint out. So obviously in your younger years, you you have those matriarchs of your family, your grandmother, your godmother, your, your aunties, that me coming from a, a divorced family really served to help build that foundation of structure for me and offer that love and that support and guidance, you know, at a young age, which can be really hard in a in a divorced family. And then when you look at your teen years in high school, and actually you just really brought this to memory for me was my history teacher, Mrs. Weiss, who really pushed me to apply at Marquette and do some pre-college programs. And at the time, now that I'm thinking about it, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, like, gosh, I'm only a sophomore. Like, I got a couple more years yet. You know, but the reality of it was, you know, I feel like she probably did see something in me and maybe would have identified, you know, that it was going to be a little bit more of a struggle for me to either see that in myself and push through that. But she was such a support, and um, so, yeah, so she did write me recommendation letters and and got me to where I was there. And then now in my adult years, definitely Jacqueline, as as we said, you know, is just brought forth, just pushed me to do some self-reflection and get in touch um, with the community and career and life goals, and we've had lots of discussions and definitely just a mentor for me now.
4: I'll agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't know where to start. Well, actually, besides Jacqueline and Tracy, and Natalie, <laughs> my aunties. I had four aunts, and they were all crazy. <laughs> it was so much fun. There was so much laughter. And they went through some hardships, too, but you know, they were always there, and I always remember them doing the Scrabble games all night long and laughing hysterically, and then they'd go to the casino, and I'd have to pick them up at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but they were really strong women, and they lived through a lot and I think I learned a lot about being able to roll with the punches and just you know, take life in stride and just keep keep going, and uh, their laughter really sustains me. Even now, when I think of them, I just smile, you know? And also, when my mother was the first of, um, her, her and her sisters, the first to pass on, I was pretty young, I think I was 19 or 20, and my aunties were all there for me, and they were all like surrogate mothers, so they helped me when I was a single parent with uh, my daughter getting through college. They'd help me with, because I didn't have a car. They'd help me watch Nikki, my daughter, who's doing really well now too. I'm really, like, I'm very uh, proud of her. And um, I think that it just goes on from generation to generation and to your friends too. Jacqueline,
1: you know, I'll, sp- I'll speak maybe from my perspective and how Marquette has impacted me. I've been in the Milwaukee Indian community for a little while and have volunteered in various capacities for Indigenous organizations. And as I started hearing stories, I realized the educational success of community members. And when I found out that, you know, many of the people that I was serving with graduated from Marquette or just down the road at UWM, I'm like, this is this is an untold story. Our, the focus in the literature and in the media is is the fact that we're not succeeding in, at, at these levels. And I knew that not to be the case in those that I was standing alongside. And so I started pulling lists and finding people, and our paths all kind of started to cross. And I just knew when i found these women and their hearing their stories in college that they could be such a a resource for our current students and so our roots you know finding them and connecting to each other has been really impacted my life enormously so this year's
0: forum the theme was uh self care well-being, also this notion of healing. Uh, What are some of the ways in which you sort of navigate those areas and how do you understand the experience or the practice around these particular issues? What do you do?
2: So I think self-care and well-being is something that I totally need to work on. Um, All these ladies here know that about a year ago I got Bell's Palsy and it was 100% 100% due to like stressful situations going on in my life and putting myself first. I was a very young mom. I shouldn't say very young. I was a young mom. So one thing that I'll say that I've learned about well-being, I actually more put on my daughter. So I I very, very much so protect her well-being and make sure that she has like healthy outlets, probably more than my son, because I know how easily she'll be able to lose that as a woman when she becomes a mother, when she goes into her career. And I think I'm getting better, but I also don't have like little ones running around anymore. But certainly I I would say from my well-being is when I see a younger person, I'm always really adamant like, hey, don't, don't let anyone take your time, whatever that is, if that's yoga, if that's reading, if that's... Whatever that is, make sure that you're doing that. I think I've also discovered that part of well-being for me and is really giving back to my community. Like, I really, really enjoy it. During COVID, I think I realized how much I missed it. Like, we just didn't really have it. And I think there was a time in my life where I would be like, oh, my gosh, I got to run this kid here and this kid there. And, dah, dah, dah. and I wouldn't really kind of put my foot down and prioritize. No, I really I truly enjoy giving back to my community. This is this is a big part of what brings me happiness. So I guess my tip on well being is protect it at all costs. Figure out what that means for you. Because you absolutely need time to like refill your bucket. And I also find it really rewarding and like helps with my well being to refill other people's buckets, which is probably why not having the community during COVID was hard, right?
3: So being in the medical field, I I mean of course all aspects of health and nutrition and exercise are all, you know, just super important for your whole well being. But with that being said, I think reflection of all those different areas is probably the most important, right? Because we most people know what they need to do, but are you really doing it? And until you take that moment every day and reflect on, you know, what you did for every role, I think, too, you know, re- reflecting on how you reacted as a parent, how you re- reflect on how you act as a daughter, as a coworker, as a friend, as a spouse, and, and all those different areas as a student. And I think that will help with your well-being. And as Tracy said, like also protect it too. You know, what what did I do good today or what could I have done better or what stressed me out in any of those roles and how did I react to that and how did that affect me? So I, I am a very reflective person in all my relationships. And I think too, for someone to be good at something, they occasionally reflect. But to be great at something, you need to reflect every day.
4: That's wonderful. That really is. I think that is really important too to make it a daily practice and really take the time that it, you're always so rushed, you know, and you're always, women especially, I think, are always thinking a week ahead, a million details. And I think our mental health is really critical too. I think it's important to take care of yourself. And as students, it's so easy to burn out. And it's almost like being a marathon runner, you're doing fine, and all of a sudden you just hit a wall, you know. So I think it's important for women and students, younger students, who to remember to try and keep your balance. Like If it gets to be too much, I remember once taking, uh, I had like five studios in one semester, and this one guy said, you're going to kill yourself. And I almost did. <laughs> um, but I ended up finding my balance, I guess. And I took an incomplete in one class, and I, I withdrew from another class, and it was more manageable, and it made a lot more sense. You know, you're going to get there sooner or later, eventually, just, you know, don't give up, just keep moving, but keep moving in a reasonable pace and really think about that and so you have time for yourself and your friends and your family
1: as well. I so appreciate your thoughts, and, and I know, I hear those conversations that you have with our, our students in those circles, And but gosh, we laugh, and you know, we talk about Native humor, and I mean, Kitty's always cracking us up on text, or you know, <laughs> just, it is a ball being with you all so I would say you know make time for to see that humor in things and that's so important to just to just it's it's so lightens the burden sometimes
0: what are your hopes for the future your future Marquette's future the community's future
1: yeah oh
0: my
2: gosh that's like a really that's a gigantic that question, question. <laughs> Remember, it's your hopes you're not committing to anything yeah um <laughs> for Marquette's future. I really really hope that Marquette continues to get students that push back and fight. I really really hope that I hope that they get I call my daughter a spicy pepper. I hope that they continue to get like little spicy peppers that are just going to fight and and make thing and and change things because I think A lot of the changes that you're seeing at Marquette, not only in the Native community, but also in other ethnic communities, are because of those individuals. And it's a huge burden for them, right? It's taxing, but I I hope for Marquette that they continue to get those students. I hope somebody is looking for those students. (laughs) For myself, I hope that I... Can continue to make an impact both in my career as well as in my like volunteer work and to further women of color I hope that I can make a better situation for my kids who are rapidly approaching college than what I experienced and I hope I also raised kids to respectfully and politely challenge what they know to be ethically wrong. For the community, I feel like in the last few years, the community has been so divided, and I think that's so hard. It's so hard to get things done when you're divided. And so I, I think it's probably the same thing that I hope for Marquette is that we continue to have really strong leaders that step up and that we continue to have people that are interested in mending and repairing instead of breaking. I, I always hate to see like the memes and the sayings that, you know, diamonds were pressured into being a diamond, right? I hate those things so much because diamonds aren't people, and breaking something, breaking a human, breaking them down is never going to make them stronger. It's going to maybe make you see their resilience, but you're certainly not strengthening a person or a community by breaking them or making things more difficult for them.
3: Definitely going off of what Tracy said of like strong leaders. My both my children are in high school now, and you know, looking in towards that college era, and just all of our younger generation that they continue to be strong and are also aware of the strength of our ancestors and take advantage of the opportunities presented to them now and grow with those. So that's one thing that I I really do teach my kids of, you know, you have been given a lot of opportunities, either from what I've done in my life and what successes that I've been able to, like what I do, I do do for them. I know what my grandfather and what my father did, they did for me. So for me, it's like out of respect for your elders and the community, you know, show up and be there and and be that strength and continue to do that. And really, and also too, with my um, just being in leadership now too I realize any changes that I don't stand up and, and voice a concern for you know the community for the patients like someday I'm not going to have that strong voice I'm going to be you know that person that's going to be frail and fragile and whatever happens it's because of what I also built in the, in the past.
4: I think it's the frail and fragile ones you have to watch out for.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I know my experience of older women is they are tough cookies yeah, and I agree with what Tracy was saying about the the whole diamond metaphor. And um, I think it would be nice, and my hope is that not just women and women of all colors, but men as well, that they come to realize that there, I think, is strength also in being tender and caring and thoughtful and nurturing. It really does take a village, you know, and you have to be able to communicate with, that's really important, I think, the communication part. And that helps to heal the division divisions, I think in the community or maybe on campus. I think things are changing for the good. It's a very scary time right now for the world in general. And I really think that taking that thoughtful, reflective approach, as Natalie mentioned, is really important so that we keep our balance and, you know, just carry on, uh, but hopefully in a, a more nurturing, loving way.
1: My dad used to sign his memoir, Broken Circle, about his experience in Indian Residential Schools in Canada, he would sign it, never forget. And I would say my hope is that we don't forget our connections to each other, that we belong to each other, that we have roots that connect us. And to my boys, Sage and Hudson, I'd say, go your grandparents a little more.
0: I love being a part of this conversation, even though I'm just sort of a spectator and an observer. Final question. What would you like our community to know about you and your journey?
2: I want them to know that it was not easy. And there were many times where people would say things that had no factual basis. And as a woman of color, oftentimes we just walk away and you ignore it right? Or you don't respond, you don't stand up for yourself. And I think that's something over time that I learned that it was 100% okay to stand up for myself, whatever it was that I needed, respectfully, respectfully setting those boundaries. It took me a really long time to learn that, but it's, it's okay. So I think it was hard, but it was also very intentional I don't know that there's much about it that I would change. Yeah, I think that's it.
4: I was having a flashback of being in school and walking home. after It took us two buses, my daughter and myself, and carrying my backpack, her backpack, my portfolio, and just walking. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, just take it one semester at a time. And that's really all you can do, you know. Yeah, my hope is in my daughter, my grandsons. I'm so proud of all of them. They're doing really well and I think they're doing really well because I do really well. Did really well because my aunties and my mom were there and my grandmother. So we just keep building that up and my motto is just keep moving. <laughs> just keep putting one foot in front of the other and even though I'm retired and I'm just having so much fun, I'm actually back in school. You just never stop learning. I love education and I love that we're able to help our students and our kids and our families and our
2: communities. I feel like part of my, a big part of my journey was my children, which I've already mentioned. Um, and I, I remember back, like, thinking of, like, when I announced that I was pregnant with my son. I was 22, 23, maybe. I forget. I think 22 when I announced it. Um, and so many people told me it was, like, the biggest mistake of my life. And I can tell you, I just kind of listened, I can tell you that that child is the best thing, hands down, the best decision I have ever made in my entire life. So when you think about setting those boundaries, you got to know what's good for you. Um, And kind of to Natalie's point earlier, that life sends you, God sends you, however you want to phrase that, what you need. Um, So Leo was the best decision I ever made. Abriela was the absolute thing I needed. So raising them, I feel like it was very impactful in my
3: life. So I think I would like the community to know about my story is really determination. I have always felt that when I just had a focus in mind, I was going to get it done. And I would surround myself by the people that would support me in doing so. So if that maybe meant some family, you know, that didn't see it the way, didn't see the same goal that I had in mind, you know, I would focus on the other family members that were there to support me 100%. Same with friends and my husband, who actually, we've been together since we were 17. So we've just supported each other really growing up. <laughs> but I, I think that's it. it. It's just really determination and goal setting and focus. And is so important. It's so important in life.
1: Just listening to you all makes me just say something simply that, you know, we all have a story. And it's so worth the grace to listen first. And, you know, From there, build an understanding of that person's story. So I'm just really honored to be in your community, come to know your story, and just see just the giving hearts that you all have and the presence that you offer the world. And every time you walk in through a Marquette University door, it just announces to everybody that we're still here. So, great for that.
4: Is this where you're supposed to say we are Marquette?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We don't say that a lot in our circle. (laughs) (laughs) This is where I
0: say that sums it up beautifully. I appreciate your stories. I've been really looking forward to hearing them and you have not disappointed. So, thank you for being here.
1: Aw, thank you very much. Thank you. Your story
0: stands as a testament to the amazing stories in our community yet to be uncovered. Our roots say that We're Sisters podcast and The Mural Project seek to make these stories visible. Again, thanks to our sponsor, the Marquette Forum, Marquette's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and the Haggerty Museum of Art for your support for this
1: project.